Welcome to the Healthy Lifestyles Podcast, located here in Northwest Phoenix, Glendale, and Peoria. My name is Dr. Nick Hunter. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, and I own and operate Preferred Physical Therapy, where we have helped hundreds of people aged 40 plus stay active and independent, live free from painkillers, and avoid surgery, even if they've had pain for years. I have written over eight ebooks on how to treat common injuries and hosted numerous webinars, all in an effort to help educate the public on how to care for and maintain their bodies and live with joy, dignity, and without compromise. This podcast is intended to help you make better decisions about your health so you can find joy in the journey by bringing together top healthcare providers, fitness experts, and nutritionists in the area to give you the knowledge and confidence needed to make good health decisions. Thank you for joining us today. I'm excited about our guest today. We have a naturopathic physician, Dr. Lena Fernandez from Moringa Natural Health Center, located in Sun City, Arizona. She is an expert in the field of natural medicine. She is a naturopathic physician who lives with a mission to inspire, empower, and transform lives worldwide with natural therapies. Dr. Fernandez specializes in nutrition, mind-body medicine, and how to balance thyroid and hormones naturally. She is the CEO and founder of a thriving clinic, Moringa Natural Health Center, located in Sun City nearby. And her personal life journey began in Europe, Kosovo, where she was born and grew up on her family's organic farm. Well, Dr. Fernandez, did I miss anything in that introduction? You did awesome. Thank you so much for having me here. And I'm excited to share some really powerful tools for your viewers so they can hopefully help them help them to get to their next level of their health. And uh, you did great. Thank you so much for having me again. Yeah, our pleasure. And thank you again for accepting the invitation here. I mean, tell me a little bit about this organic farm your family has. It, long time. You guys have been doing this for a long time. And did you continue it here in Arizona? I wish I did continue here. My parents are trying to. I was born and raised in Eastern Europe. So I grew up there. I moved here. We had our own whole food store there. And okay. we had really healthy living in a sense, more natural. I didn't grow up having any health issues. Thank God. Unfortunately, there was a political turmoil. There was a war in our native country. So all of our properties were demolished. We're unfortunately homeless. We're fortunate enough to escape the country and we moved here to the United States in 1999, which I was 14 years old. So that's kind of my journey where I started. And um, this is kind of a good transition to educate the viewers why I chose this profession too, is because when I moved here, I started high school and across the high school was a McDonald's. And you can imagine that I was eating, coming from eating berries and walnuts and all the healthy foods, fresh, non-packaged, to eating foods that were completely processed, milkshake for breakfast and ice cream for breakfast, because everybody was doing it. And then all this- Very stuff. American of you, yes. <laughs> I know, I became Americanized very quickly, I should say. And I started, I, get, I got really sick. So I gained weight, my, I had skin issue, joint issue. And I was playing sports at the time. Even as a kid, I played sports and in, in volleyball, soccer. And I was trying to continue my sports athletes performance here. And I started having many injuries. And every time I went to the doctor, as you know, right, as most of the people do, they give you a pill and you're like, well, what do I do with this pill? You're just taking it, supposed to solve the problems. Well, it didn't. So that's when I became very passionate about, you know, after four or five years of struggling, going through this cookie cutter approach, said, you know what, what else, what could I do differently to get my health back? Because I didn't want to start high in college and f not feeling well, right? So then I started becoming more in, into science. I became a chemist and a scientist. I started doing research on more research and development for different pharmaceuticals, like anywhere. You know, we studied opioids, steroids, vaccines, environmental toxicity, wow, okay. glyphosate. So I was very fortunate as a chemist to get a scholarship to college because as an immigrant that, you know, I had to work really hard to make it to college because I didn't have all the luxury like the other American students had, right? Getting loans or any other, any other way. So I worked really hard and then I had this aha moment. Okay, so we studied, you know, there was the last study I did before I entered medical school was plant-based diet. We taught, we called it rabbit diet and how that reduces in joint inflammation, specifically in autoimmune conditions. Mm 
And then those studies were remarkable. And we studied on animals and then we replicated in humans. It was, were really well-controlled studies. And then, so we had this aha moment. Nutrition is really a huge part. Nutrition and movement, those are the biggest thing to, um, first of all, prevent major health issues. And secondly, we need to start there to regain our health back because we know chemicals are needed at a time, but they're not something that our bodies are designed to rely on in the long term. So I, I did the research for about 10 years and then continue on in medical school. And then, so, and then here I am as a naturopathic doctor. For me, I understand the chemistry of the body system. So it's very important yeah. to get to the root cause. So as a natural doctor, we're looking at the whole perspective. For example, okay, so someone may come in with rheumatoid arthritis, which, you know, which we know is an autoimmune condition. It all begins in the gut. And then we need to look at, okay, is it because there is a toxic environment overload? Could be lead, mercury, or cadmium? Or is it because there's not enough minerals, nutrients that the patient is getting? Or is it because they're not getting enough movement, not enough oxygen? What's the cause? What's the root cause versus... Wow, just so do you go into that with them then? When they come in for a consult, is it these are all forms or lines of questioning that you have to better identify how to prescribe the next thing? It's understanding of, of their exposure rates to some of these things. Obviously, yeah. you're, you're going to get a log of diet of what they're eating so you can better understand what's in the body. Do you do any blood tests with that as well? Yes, yes exactly. Cow, okay. Yeah, I work with, I've been very fortunate as a scientist. I have a special connection with biotechnologies all around the country. So I have patients do, whether it's a blood test or a urine test or saliva test, look at the stress level, look at their hormones, look at the inflammation. I do blood tests, you know, here as well. So we do what we called initially with my patients overview of 360 degree view of their body system from inflammation, from the gut, from the brain, from adrenals, wow. thyroid, and so forth. And how wow. comprehensive we have to be, it depending on if I have a patient who is, for example, a cancer patient, I have to be in more detail versus someone who is an athlete. It's like, you know, I just want to look at what kind of mineral deficiency do I have so you can formulate a protocol that I'm missing, that my body, yeah. everything is individualized. And that would vary the depth of, but yes, I'm a huge on data gathering because then we know exactly how aggressive I need to be with the treatment. And, you know, for, with autoimmune conditions, we don't have a lot of time. We can't waste to say, you know, I mean, yeah, we may need to put them on steroid. We may need to work with an orthopedic doctor or any other specialist to get them stabilized temporary if it's in severe form septic arthritis. But otherwise, with some sort of inflammation like that, it's so aggressive to cause main damage in the joints. We need to be aggressive with the treatments like intravenous IV, clean their systems, replenish with minerals so they absorb 100%. Wow. So then how long would you say it would take for a patient to come in? Maybe they have some of these issues, they come in and they go in for the evaluation. How long are you able to spend with them in clinic, uh, perform the tests, send out the samples, get the results back? How long does something like that take? Usually my initial visit with my patients is around 90 minutes. So I get a really- wow, An hour and a half. Yes. I am wow, that's amazing. Either. Yeah, I get to know my patients from mind, body, soul, kind of body, physical. So I look at the whole perspective and then we may need to do some testing. And then if they have already some result or some data that from previous medical providers, they bring that in and I can evaluate. And then so then I put on the two weeks, what we call the reset body systems protocol, whether it's doing a basic detoxes, basically when it comes to doing detoxes is eliminating inflammatory foods, which I'm going to share with you, those with you right away. Yeah, good. So they start, yeah, they start seeing immediate results. Oh, you know, I'm sleeping better. You know, my joints are not, you know, I don't wake up and I can't move or it takes me two hours to wake up my joints or, you know, I'm having less downtime when it comes to pain and inflammation or they don't need as much opioids or anti-inflammatory because at the end of the day, my goal and your goal is to help our patient not have to rely on chemicals, because we know long term that's going to cause side effects, whether it's kidney renal failure, yeah, all you know, abdominal or esophageal ulcers, all those can happen. And how quickly patients get the side effects is going to vary from person to person. But we usually my patients see really good results very quickly because we we are aggressive the first three to six months till we get their very healthy, stable, and then we go on the maintenance. Now, how if you didn't have ninety minutes? to talk to a patient, how different would your treatment be? Completely different. It's, it's hard to get to know your patients 
if you just get to spend five minutes with them because yeah. each question you ask and you know from a medical perspective it gives you the next clue what needs to happen next with a patient so if you don't get to spend an hour and a half or at least you know more than what they're normally are used to spending with a provider you need to know is this mental emotional case right, right. it's a lot of pain sometimes physical pain manifests from past trauma is it physical pain because they have a recent injury or is it That's overused uh, joints or where is that coming from what and that their from relationship with pain exactly you don't need to know exactly where the root cause and then you ask the patient okay what what need, and then you get their permission what do you think needs to happen and a lot of time they don't even realize that they're carrying so much past trauma or wounds or infections that have never been cleared they've had small intestine bacteria overgrowth some severe infection in their intestines all these years could be 10 plus the majority of my patients come to me on their last hope right on their last stop yeah. They've carried all these all this junk with them for so long. Not only is their joints, the muscles, the bones, all are compromised, but now they're their brain, now they're the adrenals, thyroid, the gut, etc. So it's a big mess. So that's where we go from. I get to know, and then we build this relationship. And patients are aware that you know, number one, it's going to take some work. It's not an overnight. Yeah. You know, you got to do work. I'm going to give you the tools. I'm going to give you the exact roadmap, what your body needs to happen to get you to the next level of living, joint pain-free, having more energy, more libido, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, lose weight. But you got to do the work because this is not like, okay, here's a pill, take it every day, and then it should be fine. Right. It should fix it. Fix it, right. That's excellent because it's one aspect of, of our practice model that we're trying to help a lot of people understand better is is how important it is to have the time, the one-on-one -on -one time with your provider. In physical therapy, we come from a model where typically the industry faces two big complaints. One of them is they get five, 10, maybe 15 minutes of one-on-one -on -one time with their provider, or because of that limited time, they only are able to, or they end up getting prescribed exercises they can easily do under very little supervision at home. And so they feel like it's a waste of time, but they're not gonna get in there and get actual one-on-one -on -one time or hands-on treatment or do exercises that are that productive for them. So they feel like, well, I've done all the exercises and physical therapy doesn't help. Whereas in our model, because we're, we're direct to consumer, we're direct to patient model, we are able to spend it up to 60 minutes one-on-one -on -one with them to really break down movement patterns, muscle tightness, joint stiffness, things like that to better understand what the root cause is because an irritated disc lumbar spine issue isn't just because that disc is painful. It's broken down because of these other things up the chain that have contributed to this dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So many folks would think, well, can't we just inject it or, or do something that's going to take the pain away? It's like, yeah, we can do that, but it's not going to fix the issue. It's going to take it away temporarily, but it's just going to cover up the mask. And, and I feel like a lot of patients are coming to you with a similar frustration or similar level of, of absent care that, is missing the root cause, missing the real feature that needs to be exposed in a 90 minute session with you is gonna open up so many opportunities for you to diagnose what's going on. Absolutely, and that's a cool thing, you know, even for me, like, especially when I see pain, uh, physical pain, chronic pain conditions, if lack of movement is something that they just, either they use excuse it because I don't have time or gyms are closed or I don't have, you know, I just can't move because I don't know how to move, you know, all these. Then mm -hmm. I refer to a physical therapy. Hey, let's work with a physical therapist in addition to what we're doing here. Let's get those joints regulated. Let's get those joints strong, especially if it's a bulging disc. Like you said, yeah, we can inject steroids, corticosteroids, but then it's still weak. <laughs> you know, the surroundings are weak. Right. So we need to strengthen those, re regain the, the strength of what the joint's actually supposed to do so you don't have an issue and next time have a bigger problem. So absolutely, and that's a cool thing for us. It's all about versus of symptomatic care. We have set up, we have a great team here that we said a solution care. And you just like you, you said, you, you've gone through this program, you did it, you graduated now, continue applying at home, whether that's like one stretch for five minutes a day or whatever it is you're going to continue on because health, wellness is a journey. It's not you just go to a physical therapist for six weeks and hey, I should be pain-free, right? It's a journey that you got to figure out the underlying cause get and in a sense we want to empower our patients to take full control of their own health you know exactly. instead of being well i'll just wait till i have another injury or another bulging disc or until i break my medial meniscus again or have it marriage right. tear 
and then surgery is the only option. So we we always you know so we get to know our patients really well, and we and then I'm very fortunate that we have a really good team, awesome team, other providers in our area as well that I refer if you needed to because. At the end, patients need a good community to help them stay healthy. We have so much information out there, but they're confused and they're overwhelmed and they don't know where to start. Completely agree with you. And that's one of the things that I love talking about with providers like yourselves, where understanding that there's a model of care that exists outside of what we historically or typically consider to be healthcare or reasons such as this, when you feel like there's something missing or something absent or are just ready for that elevated level of care to really get to the root cause of what's going on, these things exist. And many folks don't even consider gut health or long-term infections or underlying autoimmune dysfunctions that they didn't know they had based on environmental factors. Is it insulation in their home or exposure they've had as a child? These things can play a part in overall joint inflammation or overall well-being that doesn't even bring into the realm of their consideration. You mentioned earlier about gut health. I know I just mentioned it too, but what is that exactly? How would typical people who have no idea what that, I still don't feel like I'm comfortable being able to define what gut health is. What is that and how does it relate to to joint health or to musculoskeletal injuries dealing with nerves, muscles, or bones or joints? How does that play a part? When we want to look at, for let's say we have a patient in front of us that potentially is struggling with some sort of joint, nerve, bones, muscles, dysfunction, right? We And then we potentially, we all are a candidate for having a poor gut health. And that's 99% of our population, just because of the quality of foods that we're eating, the lack of movement, stress, and so forth. So how do we define what's a, gut, a healthy gut is and what's not? First of all, we have to go back to before they even born. We have to ask questions, by the way, did your mom complain with while she was conceiving you? Did she have any problems? Was she on certain chemicals, on certain drugs, right? And were you breastfed the first two years of your life? Because what happens is that we're born with this gut where 75% of our immune system is supposed to be in. And we're supposed to have a strong digestive system. So when we drink, we eat all the great things, we're supposed to absorb and digest. So the rest of our system, like muscles and joints and nerves and bones are supposed to get these minerals and nutrients from food that we eat. What happens a lot of time in balancing our gut starts because we've never had a chance to develop our healthy gut from the get-go. So now we have a weak barrier. So now when we eat, let's say broccoli, instead of absorbing and digesting, so our brain and our joints and our heart and the rest of our system uses, we flush it out. We pee it out or we eliminate it or we store it as in a form of toxins because your body, it doesn't know how to process that to, again, stressors that could be happening over a whole. So how do we, so I do a test with my patients, either a stool test or a blood test. The blood test determines, okay, what kind of foods they could be eating that are causing some disharmony in their gut, especially if they're coming in and saying, I'm getting weight, I have joint pain, I'm not sleeping, I have thyroid issue, I'm stressed, anxiety, depression, et cetera, or heart issue, any of those. So let's look at the gut, see, okay, well, are you actually eating the right foods that your body's supposed to get the right nutrients to keep your the rest of your system like joints, muscles, and healthy. And secondly, look at the, is there any hidden sources of infection in the intestine? Because a lot of time you don't have symptoms. Some people do, but you don't have digestive issues, like not being able to, or you may have diarrhea or constipation or some abdominal pain. People don't even have those symptoms. They still have gut issues. So you have to got to dig deeper, but they have other symptoms like pain and inflammation. 99% of the time it starts in the, in the gut. So that, that's how we look at the evaluate. And we want to have a strong gut health because again, we want to be able to absorb and digest. So what happens is that we're normally, when we look at our ancestors, and we did this research and studies on this too, as a scientist, we, we look at our ancestor, they had much better digestion absorption ratios back in their days because they don't have so much toxins that were overloaded. Now, the environment, everybody's driving, we don't have enough trees, the foods are not as clean as we used to, we're not moving as much, we're not hunters and gatherers. So they're absorbing, so they're being drinking, for example, a gallon of water, 80% of that, they absorb it. What happens in our society, and this is what I see with our patients, they drink two gallons of water, but they only absorb in a quarter of that. 
And they'll say, but I'm drinking water. All I do is pee. I don't have to go to the bathroom 20 times. That's not the right thing. That's exactly, you know, that they're, they're not absorbing fluids. What makes us think they're absorbent nutrition? And hence they're deficient, wow. right? They're deficient. And now their nerve, their nerves, the nerve pain, neuropathy is very common. You don't have to be diabetic to have neuropathy. But patients right. often come here. I have hand pain. I have, you know, my feet are hurting. My muscles are hurting. I feel like something is off. What's going on? And then, so when you don't have minerals and nutrients, you're not going to be able to carry oxygen. So we're all lacking. Or, so we call it nutrient deficiency, but really we're oxygen deficient. We're not. So what, how, what does muscles need? Oxygen. <laughs> Right. No, you're right. That, that does trigger me because what I'm thinking about it is the fact that it, when we have an inefficient digestive tract or system to absorb the, the necessary minerals, and, and often we, we don't understand, you know, from a standpoint, from a general knowledge base, understanding that, that muscles need the minerals to contract, but then also to relax. Mm-hmm. And calcium is a big one. Calcium is what actually helps the muscle to lengthen or to relax. And if that's being poorly absorbed, and even though we may be thinking we're taking calcium supplements or I drink plenty of milk, when it's inefficient and it's not able to, to absorb correctly and then get into the places that it needs to be in our muscles, muscle tension, spasm pain, myofascial pain, these are all things that we deal with constantly. It hasn't even occurred to me that it, it might be a, an inefficient digestive tract system that would need to be reset or at least improved somehow in order to help that spasm relax, in order to help it. Versus taking muscle relaxers, which only make you sleepy and tired. It's so frustrating when I, it's so frustrating when I get people on muscle relaxants. But a whole other discussion. But well, I'm, I'm now thinking about so many different ways of the reality that does exist in understanding digestive efficiency is another, another, we talk about movement efficiencies, strength efficiencies, and even core strength balance. And yet it can all come from our gut, come from our inability to digest and absorb the necessary minerals, even though we may be eating a healthier diet than we have in the past when it, it, we're just not even in the right foundation or the right place to do so. It's interesting. So how do you, how do you, diag- I mean, I know you've, you've talked about that a little bit with diagnosing it in the sense of gathering all the history, but are, are there specific tests that people should be asking providers to do or, or even things that they could expect you or other naturopaths to do? Absolutely. So I do the conventional doctors, they don't go in details of evaluating. Yeah, they don't have the time. I mean, it's five, 10, 15 minutes and then a prescription. Totally. Absolutely. That's what, how I diagnose is I do testing in in the office to look at the gut evaluation, stool analysis, look at the, if there is any hidden sources of infections, look at the blood test, how bad is the leaky gut really? That's where I'm looking on a scale from zero to 10. If the closer to town they are, the more aggressive with the treatment. We do the blood test to look at mineral deficiencies, mineral antioxidants, vitamin deficiencies. So that all, usually with the with patients, the chronic, especially the chronic pain, they tend to be deficient, like you had already mentioned, the minerals like calcium, magnesium, even fat-soluble vitamins like omega-3s, vitamin D, these seem to be really, really most common one. Antioxidants like glutathione that's supposed to flush out toxins through the phase one, phase two liver detox. So if they don't have, you know, if you don't have that knowledge and if you don't have the data, you don't, you know, again, you just go to muscle relaxants or here, take, just taking anti-inflammatory. Ibuprofen, yeah, 100 milligrams. Opiates yeah. or some sort of, and then they get, and then obviously the chemicals they take in, their body system gets used to it. So you always want to, you have to increase it. But by looking at the root cause and knowing exactly, you will have a roadmap, what exactly you need to do with patients. And my patient company is like, I've never been evaluated in such details. Thank you so yeah. much. They're grateful because instead of, going to the back, you know, going back and forth, this loop of having a basic labs and then being told, oh, everything is good. Just take this drug. Now we're getting to the root cause and they're getting better. They know exactly what needs to happen and they get frustrated that sometimes sad and, and because they've been wasting so much time and energy and resources feeling ill, right? Because you mm-hmm. waste time when you don't feel good. You can do the things mm-hmm. you want to do. You can do the activities you want to do. You can be the best version of you, of husband, wife, parent, neighbor, friend, because you don't feel good. You know, if right. you have fibromyalgia cases, it's not just a joint issue. Now it's more emotional issue. Now it's more other aspect of our adrenal exhaustion, the hormones. And the other thing is the muscles, well, they need to, 
is having a good amount of the hormones like testosterone and estrogens, mm-hmm. progesterone, because they're what we call the, I like to call the powerhouse, the fuel for the body system to have the energy to function. So we're, we only understand uh, at this time of era very little about how body works, but enough to know we need to understand what's going on per individual patient cases because everyone is different. Everybody's going to miss something being in different space. The leaky gut is going to be in different in different people. They're going to have different infections and all that. We need to correct based on like from when it comes to my patients. And this is why we have such a great results because I correct those imbalances. Super simple after that because I have all the data that I need to. And now I'm just guiding them, whether it's with nutrition, some IV treatments initially to super heal their gut faster, heal their body system. And then we get them in the healthy maintenance zone. That's excellent. And just for our listener, when you talk about adrenal exhaustion, what you should be listening to and, and how I interpret and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that's more of how we respond to stress, external mm-hmm. stressors or internal stressors. So if you've had a, a very emotional day or a very stressful day, you'll notice at the end of it, you're just exhausted. And sometimes everyone's tolerance to that is very different. Or often everyone's tolerance to that is very different. And people who are more intolerant to those stress get exhausted much more quickly. And then we get the irritability that I'm not you or I'm not me when I'm exhausted, when I'm in pain, because that irritability, patience level, all that increases. And then it's it's very difficult to be around those individuals. So yeah. that's exactly what... what uh, we hear that all the time. We, we have discussions with that about, you know, with patients on the phone. When we do our intake calls, it is one thing that we talk about is who else is affected by this condition? Mm-hmm. Because if it's low back pain or sciatica or, or even shoulder pain, you're not sleeping very well. We often don't realize how much our partners are on that journey with us and how much they're suffering or having to deal with the fact that are they having to do more around the house, do more things for you? Uh, be very cognizant of the fact that, oh, we can't plan this activity because they can only walk for five or 10 minutes. Or if we do plan this activity, we have to make sure we know where the benches or the, or the, the seats are because they can't, they can't go very far. And, and just how much weight is absorbed by the partner in the relationship because it's gone on for so long and, and it's, it's exhausting to them. And many folks don't even realize how, how much that does play a part in, in their decision to get better, to get healthy. Until yeah, it's absolutely. Talk yeah. To them. And pain is a huge stressor, just like you had mentioned, both parties, the entire family members, anyone who you've been around people who've been in pain, they're in a sense, they're, they can drain your energy because they're oh, literally 100%. in so much pain that they're not fully themselves. You can't be mm-hmm. yourself when, you know, your cortisol, the stress fight or flight response is going at 300 miles per hour right. and we're supposed to be at 20 miles per hour, right? Just it is an example. Right. Well, they come in and say, oh, I'm so exhausted, but I haven't done anything. It's like, well, your body's been working hard for, for a long time. Exactly. They don't realize how that plays a part in their energy level. So they're always tired, always fatigued, and haven't done anything. These are things to be considering. Absolutely. So definitely with someone with pain, we want to evaluate their gut, evaluate their adrenals, look at their hormones. You know, a lot of times what happens is people go to the doctors and they're like, oh, you're in menopause. Don't worry about it. You, won't, you don't have any hormones. So that's fine. The fuel is on E, but just keep going, you know, because that's just how you're supposed to be. So we need to look at that. We need to look at the metabolism. I'll play a role because if you don't know the root cause, you will going to be in the situation where they're going through this cookie cutter approach, hoping to mm-hmm. alleviate some symptoms. But then over time, what happens is that, again, where they're wasting time, energy, effort and they're going to cause more damage so we need to get to the bottom of figuring out what's really happening getting the patients well get them empowered inspire and the other thing is i actually had another podcast the other day and i talked about when you're well you radiate that positive energy to everybody right. else to your family to your neighbor to your community you accomplish more you take full control because at the we are adults we are not supposed to be relying on someone else to take care of ourselves so when we feel good, we take care of ourselves and there's less, much less on the plate of somebody else, but we just going to contribute more to everything that we do. I completely agree with you. And when people do recognize, like, well, because we asked the question, remember back before this was hurting, what was life like? What is it you want to get back to doing like you were back then? And then they quickly realize just how many compromises to their life, to who they are, that they have made all along this process of being unwell, of being injured. 
all right, and dealing with this condition, whatever it might be. And, and more chronically, we see people suffering with spine pain, typically low back pain, mm-hmm. and they don't even realize just how many small concessions they've made to their life where now they, they barely even recognize, you know, who they used to be compared to who they currently are. And they've been let around or let down by other healthcare practitioners who are stuck in a model, not the, the practitioner themselves are the problem, but the model is the problem of not being able to spend 60 minutes or 90 minutes with them to adequately diagnose what's going on and get to the root cause. So the treatment is very specific to what needs to be fixed instead of the typical routine cookie cutter approach of, of you know playing to statistics of what has helped in the past for some of these people who, who look to appear to, to be this condition or to be this thing. And it's, it's not it. Speaking to your model of care, I still can't get past the fact that it, you're with your patient for 90 minutes and have the opportunity to be with them for 90 minutes to run all the appropriate tests and understand what is going on, even back to preconception to then bring them to the point where this is where we are now and here's how we need to address you moving forward. I, I'm, I just, I'm floored at the fact that it's that in depth and, and it would make sense that it needs 90 minutes if we're going to go back that far. So, so tell us, and then when you get into specifics and you, and you start to prescribe a plan, are there certain foods that you prescribe? Is it supplements that you prescribe? What does treatment look like from a naturopathic physician such as yourself? Treatment will very much vary from one person to another, but I always start with basics. So the first thing we need to do is eliminate some of the inflammatory foods that they're eating. The biggest one that I've seen to be a major inflammatory food, it's usually the grains, like the bread, pasta, pizza, the... the okay. Carbs. I would have thought something else, but grains. Okay. Grains. I start there. Well, and then in addition, dairy and then Mm their sugar, right? Processed sugar. These are the three, three things. That would be my number one go-to, but I guess grains, I can see that because if they do have any kind of autoimmune or or inefficiency in gut to deal with it, it's going to be, it's going to be a problem. Right. But if they say, hey, you know what, ice cream every day, then we'll start, okay, we need to eliminate first the sugar, right? The sugar Mm -hmm. component. But people don't realize how much sugar, in a sense, they're getting just from carbs, which is grains, right? The the bread, the pasta, the pizza, the toast, and then those things are basically triggering these, what we call the inflammatory response, the high cortisol levels. And then it's causing disruption in all the body system. So if they're eating toast for every, every breakfast, then we'll say, okay, let's replace that with something else. Or if they eat in cereal every morning, right? Cereals against sugar and some carbs and some other things that can trigger inflammatory response. So we just we start with a basic diet protocol right away. So sure. they can so they can start as to heal the gut, it takes good amount. And this was from the research, but also helping many thousands of patients improve their health naturally. It takes good three to six months, sometimes up to two years, depending on how depleted, how severe the situations are, the conditions. Uh, so so what you're measuring along the way is in between the the three, six month to 12 month process, you're measuring along the way of what changes are we noticing based on some of the the foods that we've eliminated and maybe some of the ones that you've added in, but mostly by some of the things that you've eliminated just to to pull out to get to a new baseline of now, what are we dealing with? Am I I hearing that correctly? Just to clarify. That's correct. And then I look at the inflammatory markers at the beginning before we start the protocol and throughout the process, throughout the, the oh, program. Okay. So then we see, we look at it, and the patients like that because they, they get empowered, inspired. Uh-huh. Like, oh, you know, my inflammatory marker when I came like Cedrate was 35 and now it's half of that. I'm happy. And that's probably why I'm having less joint pain. And right. I'm feeling more. a little bit different. Yeah, different, different. So we mark, we, and then we, and they get, it's like a rewarding system for them. They, they feel good. Or, you know, you know what? I do need to eliminate the processed sugar that I've been eating or the grains in a sense. You want to eat more plant whole foods, so forth. And then that's really where we start. So first we look at the basic, what are they, and if they're eating red meat, you know, steak every single day. And, and that's usually what I've seen also in inflammatory markers. I already know what they're already eating. <laughs> I was like, yeah, hey, how right. much red meat are you eating? Because your CR high sensitivity, which is the cardiac marker, is off the roof. It's usually from the red meat or sugar and all of that. And sugar is worse for joints and heart than bad fats. You know, we, we used to think mm. just the fats are bad. Actually, sugar is worse because it's Sugar is sticky. It sticks yeah. the toxins to the vessels. It sticks the toxins. It really gets it to where it needs to be 
and it's hard to get it out into the joints and muscles and so forth. So obviously, if I was to say, okay, out of uh, the beginning, where would I say, yeah, processed sugar? Because I mean, ninety-nine percent of our patients are our community, or I should say, of our nation, it's suffering with some sort of health situation. Everyone you know is struggling with some sort of condition. They're either diagnosed or they're not diagnosed, but they're just not feeling well. So we start from basic nutrition aspect because that's food medicine. Look at the grain component, like carbs. When you look at the simple carbs in a sense, look at how much of the animal proteins are eating. Because in a researcher, what we studied, we talked about the plant-based, the rabbit diet that we did on the, I shared that. And we did, we studied the, how that reduces the inflammation within, literally we did the study within six months of patients, and also we studied first in animals and, and humans, they completely regained their system back, their wow. joints, their health, the energy. So nutrition is important. And unfortunately, it's because we're taught from, a lot of us were taught from young childhood to eat things that are convenient. And that has become a very common symptom, I should say a systemic I almost like a daily living for everyone right. to stop by a fast. We're all in practice to stop yeah. by the most convenient food or eatery, and they're becoming more and more enticing, and 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 still just as unhealthy or unhealthy as as it always has been. Right. So I, we, I completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah, and then so we were eating foods that are rich in calories but empty in nutrition. So we're eating a lot, we're gaining a lot of weight, but we're in a sense starving. Our systems are starving. And we don't, we don't just see that in adults. I see in these children too, in kids. Kids now, we see in the last decade, especially, we're seeing more and more kids who have joint issue, joint inflammation. You know, and there's a lot of cases that you know, we see that more yeah. injuries, more. So what's happening really is, again, we need to train them and educate them to eat more healthier lifestyle. I always educate my patients eating more what we call alkaline food sources, more plant-based things that are, you know, if you go in, imagine if you go in a grocery, always start in the middle aisle where, where it's all the vegetables or, you know, stay away from like all the processed boxes and things like that as much as possible. Right. If you can get a cucumber that you need to snack on instead of a M&M's or chocolate cookie, then right. with a cucumber. It's simple. It doesn't doesn't require a lot of preparation because a lot of times we see patients say, I don't have time or I just don't have time to prepare my food. Well, make right choices when you bring foods, healthier snacks. For example, I'm eating this week almonds, blueberries, and I'm also having some cauliflower. These are my snacks. Yeah. If I don't have time to sit down and eat a meal. I'm going to snack on these versus of just eating whatever it's in front of me or whatever. It's more convenient. Makes sense. So, yeah. Do you offer then like going back to your toast example in the morning, if they're used to eating toast every day, what are some alternatives that you suggest that they do? So, for example, if they're because that's usually common, right? People eat cereal or toast for breakfast. So it's like, okay, how about, for example, what works well for me? Okay. So, or what has worked well for our patients, you know, I might just eat an unsweetened coconut yogurt. I might add some fresh berries in there. Could be blueberries or mixed berries or, or frozen or organic. Add some chia seeds to that. Some sort of could be in the whole seed or a powder form, which is brown. For some people, it's just easier to digest. And that could be your breakfast. And eat at least four or five ounces. Trust me, if you, and you're getting, what are you getting there? Antioxidants. You're getting fibers. You're getting healthy fats. You're not going to have this crash by, you know, I'm like mid-morning and I need to eat again because I'm hungry. Yeah, interesting. Something so or coconut eat. yogurt, huh? Interesting. Yeah, something like that, right? So because we're trying to deviate from having to have dairies, right? So dairy, mm -hmm. um, if you're able to eat eggs and you feel fine, then that's what I don't eliminate eggs right away, depending on their gut issues, how much they're absorbing and so forth organic eggs and mix with some, you know, cook it with spinach or, you know, some just simple things that you, but every meal, usually the first thing, the biggest thing when you want to educate your patients, you want to start your morning, right? Your day, right? And end your day, right? So what that means is instead of the first thing, when you wake up in the morning, turn into coffee, have one or two full glass of water because what do joints need? Hydration. You've been sleeping for five, six hours you utilize the sources that were already stored. So we need to replenish right away. Five to six hours, is that enough sleep or is that just typical? So most people see at least five. Well, some people sleep 
good four hours. The rest of it is turn it or toss in. Sure, exactly. sure, sure. I do. REM sleep versus others. Right, but, right, right. Okay. But at least, you know, people are in bed for, I would say, seven to eight hours on average. So you use them a lot of stored resources. So you don't want to replenish right away. And I wouldn't re- encourage to start right away with, so again, with a carb, like a toast or even anything sweet. And, and this is what I was taught as a kid growing up on an organic farm. Eat few, so Hey, if you don't have time to eat breakfast, carry with you some walnuts for, you know, half a quarter or half a cup of walnuts. Eat it while you drive, while you go to your destination or some almonds or could be any of that or some celery, just snack on. It doesn't require any preparation. All it does is maybe five minutes ahead of time that needs to be nearby so you don't forget it. So that's yeah. going to, number one, it's going to give you enough protein because proteins are very essential and healthy fats to reduce the inflammation, to get the muscles strong. You want to give it the right healthy fats, like a right omega, DHA, and EPA, and then and the right amount of uh, proteins like carnitine that body can use it to carry oxygen into your muscles and joints. So then what you do is that instead of shooting off your cortisol, it, or and then that what happens is when your cortisol stress hormone is up, so is your insulin, your blood sugar. So it's been, be, reducing that, less inflammation, less of all the disruption, and less of the adrenal fatigue. And then you want to end your day, what I always tell my patients, you want ideally have dinner two hours before bedtime. I I call it, yeah, I like the rule three to one. Three hours before bedtime is when you really want to make sure that you finish any physical activities. Let's say you're going to go to gym, you're going to work Mm -hmm. out for an hour, three hours before bedtime. Two hours before bedtime is when you finish your dinner. So, and then dinner should really be the one of the lightest meal, well, especially when it comes to high carbs. Like you don't want to eat a bowl of rice at dinner time, right? So you want to be a salad, yeah. some wild caught fish, some healthy nuts in so there. Easily digestible, more water-based exactly. type products, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anti-inflammatory. And then give it two hours before bedtime. An hour before bedtime is when you want to shut off all the electronics, phone, computers, iPad. So this way your body can reset and readjust and re in a sense get ready yeah. to have a good quality of sleep because at night is when we heal digest and relax and so forth and regenerate that we yeah. happens at night that's when liver and gallbladder are most active and then so then we educate the patient to do that and then hydration 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 it's very important if you don't want to wake up you know because we want to prevent sleep interruption then don't drink much water after 5 p.m or so but during the day shoot for at least close to a gallon, especially now that in Arizona, we're very, I see quite often actually more than we should see uh, heat exhaustion, which that leads to heat stroke and, and so forth, more problems. So especially and people who are- poor hydration and too much exposure to heat. Yeah, or enough, you know, you could not enough hydration or they may be drinking, but they're not absorbing. That's an right. issue. Right, inefficient hydration. Insufficient hydration, absolutely. Excellent. Well, that's fantastic because some of those areas I hadn't even thought about. And in particular, I like that you've you've offered a few non-animal-based protein sources in, in the mm-hmm. yogurt, the, the coconut yogurt that I'm very interested in. I love coconut, but then also all the your walnuts, your almonds, more plant-based sources, nut-based sources of protein that exist that won't spike our insulin levels, give us a big rush of, of sugar energy immediately and then deal with the crash later in the afternoon. And that's, that's very evident based on the, the huge popularity there is now of energy drinks, coffee sources. I mean, just about every beverage now is including some energy boost. That's just another way to, to, to package up caffeine. But what do you notice about, this is now just a little bit off topic in a sense, but what do you notice more about caffeine and caffeine consumption and, and overall health or gut health or even sleep health? Anyone who's having, so generally speaking, all my patients, I encourage them to not have any caffeine after 2 p.m. Because that's when your cortisol, if you were to look at, for example, your cortisol changes throughout the day. It's the highest between 7 and 8, and then it drops. Ideally, an hour or two before bedtime, we want it to be almost zero so we can induce natural hormone to help us sleep called melatonin. Well, if Mm -hmm. you do have too much caffeine, even just not just after 2 p.m., it's going to cause the disruptions. Number one, it's going to cause more inflammatory response because when you have ca- caffeine, your body senses that you need to keep going. You are, in a sense, you're running away from the bear. When right. you're not, you're supposed to function more calm, relaxed, be able to focus, but at the same time, you're relaxed. You should, if, a healthy body systems don't shouldn't need caffeine to function. 
So, okay, you're going to have a cup of coffee in the morning. Ideally, we don't want to add any sugar or creamer, right? Just have plain coffee, good quality of coffee. Okay, I get it. Less small amount, it's okay. But if you're like most cases, you have to have three, four cups by the time with an hour of waking up because you're just trying to wake up, then you're going to put your body system under more stress. But first of all, caffeine is dehydrating because mm-hmm. it's a natural diuretic. So it's going to dehydrate your muscles, your joints, your heart. So you're not going to, how can you function when you're just don't even have enough hydration in your body system? Your brain needs hydration to focus and function. Your body needs hydration to detox and so forth. And number two is, I know especially athletes, they lack those or those quick energy boosters, but a long-term can put you on a, also a, a cardiac arrest. So you want to it increases your heart rate, puts all your body systems all under kinds of stress on the heart. Yeah. yeah. So you want to make sure that, you know, but even before, and if you can have some green tea, I prefer more herbal teas are not as high in caffeine. It's not going to cause so much havoc in your body, in your hormones, in your body system. Green tea will be good. You know, it, it has less caffeine, but it's, if it's a good quality, it also has a antioxidants like EGCG. So it helps at least balance more versus we want to eat foods that are again healing, drink things that are healing to our body system instead of whatever it tastes good for that moment or whatever we need to get that quick jump start. Excellent. Just from a, a standpoint of understanding for listeners, you've mentioned organic foods. I've been reading that not all organic foods are created the same. How are organic foods being defined and how do we how do we better assess what good organic versus, I don't know, lack of a better word, but fake organic is? Do you have any suggestions? Usually what I do is there's, especially on the produce, you can tell by the code. The code shouldn't lie, right? Anything a nine, I do trust that because that's more regulated. Anything like nine, it's organic. Like so that you're going to buy apples. But the main thing is you want to start is at least avoid those, what we call dirty dozen foods. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. I haven't heard of these. Before. Yeah. The dirty dozen foods are the, actually the environmental toxicology in the United States have t- have put together as a team group of scientists where they study this 12 foods that are the highest in chemicals, meaning highest in the pesticides and herbicides. If wow. you want to grow these foods, you, the agriculture, it has to use a ton of chemicals to grow them abundantly. So those foods that I'm going to share with you, you want to absolutely buy them organic. Even if you don't know if it's a trusted source, at least we know the organic's last amount of glyphosate chemicals that causes disruption in our brain health, digestions, muscles, and so forth. But for example, the dirty dozen foods, and you can just actually Google it, okay, environmental toxicology, 12 dirty dozen foods, and you'll see it. It changes kind of uh, from year to year, but the main ones don't change. Like, for example, apples, if you're going to, I love apples to snack on. I'll have an apple that I'm going to dip in coconut butter or almond butter, but I'll make sure that apples are organic because it requires a lot of you know, a lot of pesticides, uh-huh. which is chemicals to grow. Same thing with berries, blueberries, strawberries. You know, so those you want to mm. ideally have the label in there that says or organic or verified organic and so forth. So those are the main ones. And then you go down, for example, the spinach is fairly, it needs a lot to grow a lot of pesticides and herbicides. So I always tell my patients, start there, have those, buy those 12, if you're, especially if it's on a budget, buy those organic. And if you can buy everything else that's even more, you know, organic, everything else, then it's fine. But if you're going to have a budget versus apples and avocado, then I'll buy apples so that are organic and avocados, if it's not organic, it's not the end of the world. Does it make sense? Yeah, definitely. So you're getting more bang for your buck, more value from an organic perspective by knowing what these dirty dozen are that might change a little bit from year to year. So worth checking on. Is there an online source that you use to help identify those? Or are they just ones that you've kind of memorized and been working with for so long? I just have the main ones that I have actually printed out both for my patients or a list of what could, these are the foods, but you, they, they don't, as far as foods, they don't really change much. The main ones are always there, like the apples, the blueberries, the spinach, tomatoes, I believe it's there things like that. So papaya, so those are the main ones. They don't change much. Sometimes they add an additional, for example, could be an addition, additional food sources of worth, but main ones stay. And then, so I print those out and I have my patients, like you put somewhere where you can have it, take a picture of it or carry with you. So at least, you know, mm-hmm. you focus on eating those foods that are healthy. Spinach is healthy, but 
I, and then plus you talked about calcium, you get more calcium from spinach than you actually get from dairy because dairy is very acidic. And actually when you have milk, what happens is very acidic and it's going to cause more of the leach of the calcium from the bones instead of rebuilding nutrition that you get from spinach or broccoli, et cetera. That's excellent. We're running a, a bit low on time. Last two questions. What's something that you tell your clients every day that you wish you could just play on, you can just record and play on repeat because you say it so often because it's that important or that common? What would you say that is? I always tell them to never give up. So if one thing didn't work for you, let's get to the next. And that, the, problem, the thing is what happens in our society is that we tend to give up a little too soon. Mm-hmm. And right before our bake the breakthrough, oh, or I can't do it because diet is too hard, or I can't do it because I you told me to drink two more glasses of water than I normally do. Don't give up. Make a small adjustments is better than nothing because the small steps taken forward to wellness, it's going to add up to a big step, and then you get the you will be surprised how much healthier you're going to feel. So never give up. Always strive to improve something about your health, even if it's one increment at a time. I love it. Lower the barrier, get a little bit better each time, and then we'll see what happens and, and stick with it. Mm-hmm. And what's the best way people who have more questions for you or want to reach out to you, what's the best way for people to connect with you? They can connect to me through my website, mnacaz.com. Usually there is my phone number there, my information there. I have a- Yeah, we'll put a link in the description. Yeah. Totally. Okay. And yeah. I know you're pretty active on social media. Is, is Facebook your preferred platform? Yes, for now, because it's the only platform that I know how to use it. <laughs> okay, totally. And, and, it's, and was it Moringa? Tell me again how to find you on Facebook. Facebook, you just go Moringa Natural Health Center, and then you, you know, can like the link, follow me. I go there. I usually go, there are people on podcasts that I kind of stream through there. I go live myself, share some really powerful tool because I have patients all over the valley, the country, the, the world. So it's really good to keep them up to date. So I'm always constantly updating information for our community, just hoping to educate them and and empower and inspire them to continue to stay healthy, be healthy. And wherever at whatever stage of their health they are, they're taking that forward movement to be the best optimal health that they want to be. Excellent. Thank you again so much for your time. It's been a wealth of knowledge and understanding what is gut health and how important it is how to improve digestive efficiency. That was one of the biggest takeaways from our discussion today is that we all are suffering with some level of digestive inefficiency. And we, we don't know is how is it affecting us? How is it changing the way that we feel? Cortisol levels or stress levels, how it can change those and how important it is to be aware of the fact that managing it or doing something about it can change the way that we feel and function. A huge takeaways from me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you again so much for your time. I absolutely look forward to having more conversations with you in the future. Thank you so much, Dr. for having me. Take care. Preferred Physical Therapy and the guests on this show does not recommend, endorse, or make any representation about the efficacy, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, products, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained on or available through this content. Preferred physical therapy and the guests on the show are not responsible nor liable for any advice, course of treatment, diagnosis, or any other information, services, or products that you obtain through this audio recording. For specific information regarding your case, please consult a licensed professional in your area.